0: Welcome to the Daily Office Lectionary. I'm Father Reed. This week we're going to look at scriptures from Proper 17, scriptures from Sunday to Saturday. And we're going to be looking at scriptures from 1 Kings. 1 Kings is a history book in the Old Testament. We've been in the Old Testament uh, history books for quite a long time now. Judges, Joshua, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 1 Kings, 2 Kings, 1 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles, all history. We'll be looking at the book of James. The book of James is after the book of Hebrews in the New Testament, toward the end of the New Testament. Um, Remember, there are 27 books of the New Testament. There are 39 books in the Old Testament, 66 in the Bible. So, 1 Kings history book, we'll be looking at 1 Kings 8:22 to 1 Kings chapter 12. As you can see in your post, the scriptures are located there. And we'll be looking at James chapter 2 through chapter 5. There are five chapters in James. And then finally, we continue our voyage, our journey, our uh, movement through the gospel readings in Mark, Mark 14, 15, And of course, there are 16 chapters. The 16th chapter is the resurrection. So we'll be looking at the crucifixion of Jesus in 15, his preparation to die uh, in 14. And so much, much to talk about today. All right, let's go to 1 Kings chapter 8, 22. Now remember that we have three kings we have Saul, we have David and we have Solomon. We are now in the reign of Solomon in 1 Kings chapter 8. 1 Kings chapter 8, the reign of Solomon. Now, Solomon is David's son, and Solomon is the one whom God has designated to build the temple. David wanted to build the temple, but God said, no, your son is going to build the temple, Solomon. So, at the beginning of chapter 8, the ark is brought to the temple, and when you read, so read very quickly, 1 through 22. Uh, look at verse 20. The Lord has kept the promise He has made. I have succeeded David, my father, and now I sit on the throne of Israel just as the Lord promised, and I have built the temple for the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. Very, very important statement. I have provided a place for the ark in which the covenant of the Lord that He made with our fathers when He brought them out of Egypt. The ark has been traveling around has had no... No final resting place, if I can use that term. It's been in the, a tent, as it were. But now it's going to be in a temple, which obviously is a magnificent structure and will be in the Holy of Holies, okay? All right. Now we have in verse 22, he's praising the Lord. He stands before the altar. Verse 22, in front of the whole assembly of Israel, he spreads out his hands towards heaven, and he says, O Lord God of Israel, there is no God like you in heaven, above on earth below, you who keep your covenant of love with your servants, who continually continue wholeheartedly in your way. You have kept your promise to your servant David, my father, with your mouth you have promised and with your hand you have fulfilled it as is today. So God speaks, then he acts. The action is dependent on his speaking, meaning that when he says something, he does it, and you can look at what he does and look at what he says, and they are congruous. Okay? They are equal. God never says something that he doesn't do, and he never says a lie, and he never leads people astray. His word is absolute. So what Solomon is going to do is thank the Lord for his goodness and who he is and what he's done and what he has said. And that um, those scriptures through verse 40. Now you can see there's a parenthesis there from 31 to 40. That just means that you can continue to read those, and I encourage you to read them. It's all good. Uh, verse 27, but will God really dwell on earth? The heavens, even the highest heavens cannot contain you. How much less this temple that I built. We can't put God in a temple and say that's where he is. And that's only where he is. God, it fills the universe. He's greater than the universe even. But this is a place that he is going to be. Hear from heaven, your dwelling place. When you hear, forgive. That's an interesting statement at the end of verse 30. Now let's move on, uh, in this lesson, to verse 65. Now, you might, it's not listed in your, uh, in your, in the daily lectionary readings, but that whole chapter there, chapter 8 of 1 Kings, is very, 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 very good. Very good. So, even though it's not in your post, you might want to, uh, you might want to look at that. 865, so Solomon observed the festival at that time, and all Israel with him, verse 65, a vast assembly, People from Lebo Hamath to the body of Egypt. They celebrated it before the Lord our God for seven days and seven n- days more and seven nights. Seven days and seven days. I'm not used to saying it that way. I was thinking seven days and seven nights. But seven days and seven days more, 14 days in all. On the following day, he sent the people away. The Lord, they blessed the king. They went home joyful and glad in heart for the good that the Lord had done for his servant David and his people Israel. Okay. They're praising the Lord, they're thanking the Lord, they're celebrating together in mass. They are thanking God in this 14 day period for all that he's done. That's an important thing to do, to stop what you're doing, think about the Lord, think about what he's done for you, thank him, praise him, lift him up, recognize who he is, and uh, celebrate uh, with him. Verse four of chapter nine, as for you, if you walk before me in integrity of heart, and uprightness as your David your father did, and do all that I command and observe your, uh, my decrees and laws, I will establish your royal throne. This is God speaking to um, Solomon. I will establish your royal throne over Israel forever, as I promised David your father when I said, you shall never fail to have a man on the throne of Israel. But, verse 6, if you or your sons turn away from me and do not observe the commands and decrees that I'm giving you, And you go off and serve other gods and worship them, then I will cut off Israel from the land that I've given them and will reject this temple I have consecrated for my name. Israel then will be a byword and an object of ridicule ridicule among all peoples. All right. This goes all the way back to Deuteronomy. All right. I now set before you life and death. Do the word of God. Do the will of God. Hear what God says and be blessed and things will go well with you. Don't do what God says, go your own way, don't listen to the commands, don't observe uh, my decrees and laws, and things will not go well with you. I, in fact, will turn away from you, God is saying. Okay, so this is a very important reading. Uh, The Lord is appearing to Solomon in that first section from 1 to 9 that you have listed on your post, and it's a very powerful section. And if you go and look at it, you'll find out that, unfortunately... As we go to chapter 11, Solomon becomes very famous in chapter 10. The queen of Sheba comes and sees him, but he has problems. Look at chapter 11. King Solomon loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughter, Moabites, Ammonites, Ammonites uh, Edomites, Sidonians, Hittites. And as Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods, verse 4, made his heart... And his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord, his God, as the heart of David, his father, had been. So he is turning away from the Lord. He is following false gods in verse 5. He is not doing what God says. Here's what God does in verse 9. The Lord becomes angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice. God appeared to the man twice, and he began to move away from the Lord, turn away from the Lord, and turn to false gods. Although he had forbidden Solomon to follow other gods, Solomon did not keep the Lord's commands. So the Lord said to Solomon, Since this is your attitude, this is chapter 11, verse 11. Since this is your attitude, and you have not kept my covenant and my decrees, which I commanded you, I will certainly tear the kingdom from you and give it to one of your subordinates. Yet, verse 13, I will not tear the whole kingdom from him, but will give him one tribe for the sake of David my servant and for the sake of Jerusalem which I have chosen. So what happens is we're going to have a tearing of the kingdom. We're going to have 10 nations for the northern kingdom which we're going to call Israel and the southern kingdom which we're going to call Judah. And we'll have two we'll have two tribes to the south and 10 to the north. That's the way it worked out. 1st Kings 11:26 to 43. Jeroboam rebels against Solomon. Jeroboam was going out to Jerusalem. Ahijah, the prophet of Shiloh, verse 29, met him on the way, wore a cloak. He took the cloak he was wearing. He tore it into 12 pieces. He says to Jeroboam, take 10 pieces for yourself. For what This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. See, I'm going to tear the kingdom out of Solomon's hand and give you 10 tribes. I just said that. But for the sake of my servant David in the city of Jerusalem, which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel, he will have one tribe. Okay, so 10 and 2. And unfortunately, they did not obey the Lord. Look at verse 38. If you do whatever I command you, if you do whatever I command you, and walk in my ways and do what is right in my eyes, keeping my statutes and commands as David my servant did, I will be with you. I will build you into the dynasty. Solomon tried to kill Jeroboam, verse 40. Jeroboam fled to Egypt to Shishak, the king, and stayed there until Solomon's death, and then Solomon dies at the end of chapter 11. Then Israel rebels against Rehoboam, who was Solomon's son. See, Rehoboam would have been the king, but he did not have the ability to unite Israel. But God had already said he was going to divide it. 10 and 2. Instead of being 12, Saul, David, Solomon, Rehoboam. Rehoboam does something incredibly stupid, as you'll read in chapter 12. It's a very important transition, the transition from David to Solomon, the building of the temple, which is the high point for Solomon's reign, his wisdom. But Solomon begins to disobey the Lord, foreign wives, and falls off the map as it were then the kingdom is torn in two and of course we'll revisit that next week let's look at the book of james james is a beautiful a beautiful uh, epistle it's a very practical epistle for those of you that like practicality just tell me what i got to do i don't want any highfalutin theology in roman uh, in romans or some highfalutin theology in Ephesians, or even Colossians. Just tell me day to day, pragmatically, what am I supposed to do? I'm all in for that. Okay, you're going to get a lot of information in the next couple of minutes. So enjoy reading. My brothers, as believers in our Lord Jesus Christ, don't show favoritism. That's chapter 2, verse 1. That right there, we could talk about for a very long time. So then he gives a story about somebody coming into a meeting with a, in a gold ring and a fine clothes and then a poor man with shabby clothes comes in. Who are you going to show attention to? Okay? All right. If you really, verse 8, kept the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. Verse 10. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at one point is guilty of breaking it all. This is a very famous scripture I like to quote. If I say, well, I've kept these laws, but I haven't kept these. If you break one, you've broken them all. You break them all. So all of us have broken the law. All of us are sinners. There's no one except Jesus that's perfectly guiltless. He's the only person that has not broken God's law. So we're all guilty before God, and we need a Savior. All right, two fourteen to 26. Uh, again, if I can use the term famous, this is the famous uh, faith and deeds. Faith and deeds. Show me your faith. I'll show you deeds. Show me deeds. I'll show you my faith. Show me your faith without deeds. I'll show you by faith what I do. You believe there's one God, verse 18 and 19, good. Even the demons, I believe, shudder. You foolish man, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Verse 24, you see that a person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. You've got to watch what people do. What people do is crucial because it says what their faith is about. Faith without works is dead, the famous line. Verse 26, there's where it is. As the body without the spirit is dead, no doubt about it, faith without deeds, faith without works is dead. You show me your faith. I want to see faith that is justified, that is is shown, that is verified, By your actions. Okay? So our faith works with our actions. Remember how I was talking about earlier? God says something, his actions comply with what he says. He does what he says. What you believe, what I believe, put that into action. May your faith be strong and may your actions uh, toward God be strong. Chapter three, another famous chapter about the tongue. We know the dangers of the tongue. We know all the problems we can get into by what we say. Look at what he says in verse 6. The tongue is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person. That little (laughs) gives me the ability to talk to you. Sets the whole course of life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. That's pretty strong. So he says in verse 9, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father and with it we curse men who've been made in God's likeness. Does make any sense James is saying. I'm praising God, I'm cursing this person. And that person's made in the image of God, so in effect I'm cursing God who made this person. So when I put somebody down and I hate, it it always goes back to God. Okay? So the tongue is a very powerful thing. If you read Proverbs, you're going to see in Proverbs that silence, listening, Covering your mouth mouth sometimes, watching what you say, very important. I know all of us can work with that on what I know I need to work on that. Who is wise and understanding among you, verse 13, let him show it by his good life. Boy, that's a great scripture. By his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. Boy, it's a great scripture. James 3, 13, who is wise and understanding, let him show it by his good life. Back to the idea of faith without works is dead. In deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it. Do not boast about it or deny the truth. Okay, such wisdom does not come from heaven, but is unearthly, unspiritual, of the devil, verse 15. Okay? So the wisdom from God is pure and peace-loving and considerate and submissive, etc. 317. Okay? So as we move into 14. Four, Uh, The fourth chapter, submit yourself to God. Verse seven, say, Father Reed, give me something very simple. Submit yourself to God. Submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God, he will come near to you. Move toward the Lord. Move toward God. Don't move away from God. Don't tell God what to do. Submit to God. Come humbly before God. Humble yourselves, verse 10. There it is. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Great advice. May God grant us all the ability to do that. That is very important. Now, you say in verse uh, 13, today or tomorrow we're going to do this, and we're going to spend a year here, we're going to carry on business, we're going to make money. Why? You don't even know what will happen tomorrow, verse 14, chapter 4. What is your life? Now, this is very, very specific. What is your life? You are a that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Indeed, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast and brag. Your boasting is evil. You're amidst, I'm amidst, a flower that fades, the Bible says. Anyone who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. Great scripture. And then we close with chapter 5, again, Read chapter 5. Enjoy these great chapters in James. They are wonderful. They should be meditated on in a lifetime of learning. Uh, What we're basically doing here is opening them up to you and saying, join us in reading these scriptures and growing in Christ significantly. Watch your actions, your speech, your behavior, what you do. Mark chapter 14. Now we're toward the end of Jesus' journey toward death. His purpose is to die on a cross. Amazing thing. He's here to die on a cross. Chapter 14:53, as you see in your post, Jesus is arrested. Chapter 14 um, 43. and in um, chapter 53, he appears before the Sanhedrin. Peter is at the di- is at a distance. Remember Peter said, I'm not going to deny you, Jesus. They may deny you, they, the other disciples, the other eleven, but I'm not going to do it. Jesus says, before the cock crows twice, you're going to deny that you know me three times. Ah, that's not going to happen. Well, if you look at 53 following, Jesus is going to be disowned by Peter. When the servant girl saw him in verse 69, she said to him, to those standing there, Uh, this fellow was one of them, and he denied it. And a little while later, someone was standing near Peter. Surely one of them, you're one of them, you're a Galilean, they could tell by the accent. He began to call curses down on himself in verse 71. I don't know this man. I don't know what you're talking about. The roost rooster crowed the second time, verse 72. Then Peter remembered the word that Jesus had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows twice, you will disown me three times. And he broke down and wept. Another gospel reading says he wept bitterly. So Jesus goes before the Sanhedrin. And of course, they convict him of blasphemy. Um, And they beat him, and they hurt him very badly. Peter disowns him. He appears before before Pilate in chapter 15. Are you the king of the Jews? Yes, it is as you say, verse 2 of chapter 15. Aren't you going to answer the things they're accusing of? Jesus made no reply. They switched out a person, a terrible person, named Barabbas out. Crucify him, they said, verse 14. Wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas. He had Jesus flogged, and they handed him over to be crucified. Boom. Chapter 15, verse 15 in Mark. Handed him over Barabbas, a known insurrectionist, a known murderer. Two, Jesus was flogged. That was extremely painful. And three, he was going to be crucified. That's beyond any kind of understanding of how painful that would be. Horrendous thing. The soldiers then mock Jesus. And he is crucified beginning in verse 21. His uh, Verse 21, Simon and Cyrene helps to carry the cross. It was the third hour when they crucified him. That's nine in the morning, by the way. The written notice of the charge was against him, the king of the Jews. They hurled inset, uh, uh, insults at him. They shook their heads. They mocked him. They jeered him. They um, treated him extremely, extremely badly. The sixth hour... Verse 33, to the ninth hour was darkness. At the ninth hour, he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And with a loud cry in verse 37, he breathed his last. The curtain of the temple, remember we talked about the temple in 1 Kings 8. Uh, The curtain of the temple was torn. um, And uh, when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus heard his cry in verse 39, and saw how he died, surely this man was the son of God. So in Kings, we have this transition of power from Solomon to the dissolution of the kingdom and uh, the north and the south, Israel and Judah. And we'll see how that plays out in weeks to come. In James, we have this wonderful epistle after Hebrews toward the end of the Bible about all the things that God, the way that God wants us to live and what God wants us to do and the way we use our tongue and the way we show affection to people and the way we help people and what wisdom's about um, and how we should have faith in, in our walk and put our uh, walk into action, into good action. And then finally, we have the death of Christ in 14 and 15 of Mark. We have him dying for us and the Jews rejecting him, and he dies this very horrible, very horrible, terrible death and uh, we'll pick up next week with his burial and his resurrection. So, a wonderful um, compendium of uh, scriptures today that we offer you. Uh, Enjoy uh, the scriptures in this post. Enjoy your reading. Pray. Listen to what God is saying to you. May he bless you abundantly. Next week, we'll look at proper 18. God bless you, and have a wonderful week of prayer, reflection, and reading.